You are listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And we're still in this habit of not putting up some, the, at least the beginning scripture on the screen to give you an opportunity to open your Bibles and actually uh, turn to the scripture, see it with your own eyes, see it with your own text, whether that is an electronic Bible that you normally use or an actual paper Bible. But turn to 2 Timothy 4, 6-8. through 8. We are going to be in the books of First and Second Timothy all of this Sunday school today. And so you'll be flipping around. So if you turn there, uh, keep it open somehow with a bookmark or something because we'll be going back to it. But 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. I'll read it in a second. I'll give you another second to, to get there and turn there um, in your Bible. The letters of First and Second Timothy are written by, anybody know? Paul to who? Timothy, yes. And, and so these are potentially Paul's last letters uh, that he ever writes that we know of, that we have recorded. And um, they're to Timothy. And so the ending of Second Timothy is potentially some of the last words that maybe Paul said to Timothy. Um, and so here's what he says. He says, um, first, excuse me, Second Timothy 4, 6 says, for I'm being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. What's he talking about? Is he talking about just like getting on a plane and departing? Uh, departing? Um, I don't think so. I think he's actually talking about he knows that his end of his life is coming. Because then he says this, verse 7. He says, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept my faith. Verse 8 says, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, so he's, he's like, I'm going to get this reward, but not just me. He says, for everyone, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. And so let's pray. Let's, let's just welcome the Lord here. Thank him for, for this idea of perseverance and, and the long life of faith that we can have. So Jesus, we do come before you and we thank you that, that we can live our entire lives knowing you, be in your presence God, would you help us and encourage us to to live out, to to fight the good fight, to live out faith and to persevere in our faith. God, that is our prayer. That is our desire. Give us the the courage to do that. Give us the the wisdom to do that. Give us perseverance to be able to live out the faith all the days that we have on this earth. So we praise you, Jesus. We worship you. And everybody screamed. Amen. Amen. Well, um, congratulations if you're a mom in here. Happy Mother's Day. And if you don't know it's Mother's Day, you have full permission to just race out the door and go, and, and go call your mom or get her a card and, and email, fax it or whatever you do. Um, and um, happy Mother's Day. And in this idea of perseverance, because that is the big topic for today, I think it's one of these big themes of First and Second Timothy, this idea of Paul telling Timothy to persevere in the faith. I think moms have this special perseverance, this special commitment to another life that, that, that happens between a mother and a child. When they have that child, it's like a lifelong commitment to persevere with the child. I found this picture online of, of a mom. If you could see it very clearly from where you're at, it's 
a just a black and white of, of uh, obviously of a very poverty stricken situation. Their their clothes are tattered. Um, it's a mom and potentially and two kids, just kind of sad and and looking out. And I see in this picture just perseverance and especially in poverty, this idea of when things aren't going well. It's easy to persevere when things are going great, and you're just like, oh, I'm just doing what I'm doing because I'm doing it. It's fun, yay! But when things get hard. And of course, I'm making spiritual analogies here as well. When things get hard and, and there's temptation and it's not easy to be a Christian, you're, you get flack from people for persevering and continuing in the faith. I think that's when the word perseverance has its most meaning when things are hard. And so I just thought of that as we begin today, since today's Mother's Day, of, of moms when it gets hard and this idea of perseverance, but then that being a metaphor for our lives and the faith as we persevere. So anyways, we're talking about First and Second Timothy. All this month, last week we started with um, kind of some bigger ideas of, of First and Second Timothy. Um, but today, what we're going to do is uh, just talk about the theme of perseverance. And um, by way of announcements, if you're new to the Mill Sunday School, we have some cards like these on some of the tables. You could fill this out uh, with as much or as little information as you want. You could bring it up to me. I'd love to take it and meet you personally. Or you could bring it to the nice people as you leave. There's a table out there. They could give you a CD of some worship music. Music, just to give uh, saying thanks for coming today. And we recorded that at the mill, which is our Friday night meeting, more of a service. So if you've never been to the mill on a Friday night, you should go sometime, check it out. It's, it's more of our service. Sunday school is kind of a small group of that, where it's kind of what it means. Sunday school is going to be more of a lesson. We're going to do discussion here in a minute where I'm going to give you a chance to meet somebody and I'll give you a discussion question. Uh, We'll go out with mics and ask you your opinion. And so that's kind of what this is as the Mill Sunday School. So welcome. Um, We did do an on-time award. How many of you got put your name in here? Sweet, lots of you. So if you're on time today, I just appreciate that you're on time and so at the end of Mill Sunday School, stick around. You have to be here to win. I'll, there'll be three winners for little uh, Panera gift cards. But anyways, um, what else do I need to announce? Oh, today, all the, the, there's always a donation back there for the food and the coffee, um, the creamers that, that we serve. Um, it's just for donation. But today, the donation is going to go directly to Mill Mission, South Africa. Anybody going? Woo! Yes, a couple of you. Sweet. There's there's a total of about 50 people going, and yesterday they did a ropes course, and so I imagine if they're not here, they're very tired and sore from doing that, and so that is perfectly fine. Congrats for the three or four people that are here. But anyways, at this point in raising money, we're, we're leaving. I'm, I'm going as well in 13 days to a Mill South Africa trip. Um, at, at this point, um, the, the, we're still a little short, and we are doing excellent on raising money for, for sending mill missionaries to South Africa. But at this point, everyone has kind of maxed out their friends and their relatives. And so any amount of money that comes into the general fund is huge because even $5, $10, it's huge because otherwise they would be short the 5 or $10. And that times 50 people is a lot of money. So, um, so if you give today to the donations, there's, there's actually credit card slips back there. Every bit of it goes to Mill Missions, the general fund. So huh, I guess that's a lot of announcements. Oh, one final announcement. Today I'll be speaking next, the next two weeks, Aaron Wagner, our Mill worship leader, will be speaking on First and Second Timothy. So you can look forward to that. Sweet. All right, finally, let's, let's get going with a review of First and Second Timothy, if you were here last week, we'll make this very quick, and we'll say that uh, the the letters of First and Second Timothy are just that—they're actual letters. 
Uh, is the book of Timothy to us? No, I mean, even if your name is Timothy, it's written to another Timothy. So it's not written to us, but of course it is for us. And if, if this is your first time you've ever heard this, like, oh, the, the, the books of the Bible, specifically the letters of the, of the, that are in the Bible, the, the big theological word for letter is epistle. The epistles aren't written to you. And if you've never thought about that, that might be kind of shocking. Like, whoa, I thought the Bible was Jesus' love letter directly to me. Well, if you want to think about it like that, that's a very simplistic way to think about it, maybe even a wrong way to think about it, because the, the letter of First and Second Timothy, those letters are not written to us. They're written to Timothy, who lived about 2,000 years ago in Ephesus. And so we think that the letters were, both of them were written by Paul. Uh, he was in Rome at the time, writing letters to uh, Ephesus, to Timothy, where Timothy was. And we think that the letter of First Timothy, um, Paul was hopeful that he was going to come visit Timothy in Ephesus. We're not sure that that visit happened. He doesn't really mention that in Second Timothy. But then Second Timothy mentions this idea of maybe Timothy's going to visit Paul in Rome. But then it still does end with what we, we started off with today, that Paul has fought the good fight. He's being poured out like a drink offering. His time for departure is near. And so this bigger idea, that Paul is in some sort of prison in Rome. We could think about it as maybe a dungeon, but it does seem like he's able to write letters. So maybe some sort of house prison, or maybe Paul had a parole officer, like some of you in here. Um, I don't know. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, I don't know what exactly it looked like, but Paul was able to write letters. And it seems like he knows that his time is is coming to an end. There's this hope that Timothy is going to visit him, but he does end the letter of 2 Timothy with, you know, his time for departure is near. He's being poured out like a drink offering. He potentially knows that things are not looking good for him. Uh, most uh, theologians, historians, we don't know this for sure because it's not in the context of Scripture, um, but most people think that Paul may have been brought to the Colosseum and killed in Rome under Nero's empire um, and, and killed like maybe in front of a, uh, with a gladiator or a lion or something in some horrible fashion, killed Christians because that's what they did in the Roman Empire because it was illegal to be a Christian. Paul being a super Christian, Paul being a very leader of Christianity was probably killed in that way shortly after he wrote the books of First and Second Timothy. And so as that with this idea that Paul is writing potentially his last words to Timothy, and Paul has this kind of fatherly figure over Timothy and this working relationship with Timothy as a fellow missionary. He has many themes throughout the books of First and Second Timothy, but I specifically want to concentrate on the theme of perseverance. And so if you have notes today, uh, unfortunately, it's, it's my fault that there's no notes um, in your skillet. We call these uh, that you got at the door skillets. And usually there's notes in here to help you follow along. My bad that they didn't make it there today. But this would be uh, potentially um, note number one or point outline note number one. Just this theme of perseverance that's going to kind of overtake our whole talk today because I really think it overtakes the whole book of First and Second Timothy is telling Timothy in different ways to keep fighting the good fight, to pers- uh, persevere in your faith, to keep on the direction, keep on the faith path, keep running the race, etc. All these things are themes throughout First and Second Timothy, and this idea of holding fast, which is kind of this. The, I put this image up last week and said we're going to talk about this next week, and next week, of course, it's today. So we're going to talk about it. I kind of like this guy's tattoos. Isn't that cool? Does anybody have tattoos? I think I want to get a tattoo of a freckle on my arm. 
that looks just like any other freckle so that I could say I have a tattoo and then you would think I was cool and you would respect me. But then at the same time, like if I go see grandma, then, then, then she would never know that I had to, a tattoo even if she looked at it because it would look just like a freckle. Win-win, don't you think? I, so we should all go out and get freckle tattoos. That'd be sweet. Mill Sunday School freckled. Anyways, a little comic relief before I give you a discussion question. So I, I would love for you to uh, meet somebody new. If you're at a smaller table, just go invite yourself to a larger, larger table. They won't say no to you. They, 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 they know to, to be nice in here and just pull up a chair. And so the dis- discussion question is, is maybe just a general fun question. Um, it's, what comes to mind? as an example of perseverance. It doesn't have to be a spiritual example, but of course that's where we're headed in this talk, a spiritual perseverance. But what metaphor, what physical example of perseverance can you think of? Try to come up with a big long list and the table with the most lists of examples of perseverance wins. What do you win? Just the winner of the day. Um, But anyways, meet somebody new, form groups, and come up with lists of perseverance. Ready, get set. Go. All right. I would love to have you yell out answers. And you've all probably been always wanting to yell in church. So this is your opportunity. So what? Well, maybe we'll see who has the most first. Who has more than five? Who has more than ten? Really? Who has more than fifteen? Wow. Twenty? More than we just jump up the number 30 more than 35 more than 40 i mean how high do we go more than 50 no you do not you have 100 things listed right now did you like google it or something and uh, i guess this table wins but we'll we'll have to double check that to verify so that they could be winners of the day Anyways, what are some of the funny ones or good ones that you thought of? Anybody yelling? Listening to me. Yes. <laughs> Somebody yelled out marathon. That's a good one. That, that one's not a good one. Marriage. What? Mothers. Mother's Day. Yeah. What? Single moms. Mothering. Pursuing a calling interceding a what shoes juice the jews persevered over time yes and wearing shoes is persevering anything else (laughs) hiking a mountain yes i did anyone else think of these posters do you like these posters my school was like riddled with these way back at my high school. Like every wall had one of these on. It's kind of like a 90s thing, and that's kind of when I went to high school. Um, and, and I had my first job was Pizza Hut. Um, and then I worked at a Blimpy Sub um, uh, restaurant. And um, they all, my, my school had these things. My workplaces had these posters. Does anybody still have these in their workplace? couple of people. It's kind of cool, I guess. But this one says, perseverance. Behind the clouds, the sun is shining. Ooh. Um, this one, a girl running up like a huge flight of stairs. Um, this one's pretty cool, I think. What lies b- uh, behind us, what lies before us, are small compared to what lies within us. Ral- Ralph Waldo Emerson. Um, and then this one, just a long road, a picture of like an endless road. And it says, perseverance, the only journey is the journey 
within. Ooh, how cool. Um, and then this one, a rock climber. Can you see that from where there's like a little tiny red guy? He's wearing red. He's like hanging on a nose. I, I don't know what mountain that is exactly, but he's, he's got a rope. I could see it. Um, I don't know if you could see it from where it's at. But this one says, perseverance, what the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve. And I think, I think about that with perseverance. And this, I, I thought about, did, so a couple of people said hiking a mountain. Did anyone say rock climbing as far as perseverance? No one listed? Okay, somebody did. Good. Um, and that's the example that I thought of immediately because one of my hobbies is rock climbing. And I, I rock climbed uh, this week. Um, there I am with my cool helmet. If you could see, my buddies are up there. They're setting up a belay anchor station. Um, and the type of climbing that I did this week is called trad climbing or traditional climbing. When you put cams or nuts or hexes into the rock so that as you're going up, if you fall, you, th- that's your anchor. And you go up and you make your own anchors with like you wrap things or trees or you, you kind of set your own anchors as you go. And so you have your own gear. It's that kind of climbing. Here's Jay helping me uh, get all geared up. Anyways, precious. But I climbed this. Uh, it's in Boulder. It's a 1,300-foot-tall flat iron. This is the third flat iron, I think, the picture of it. And you can see it's really tall. If, if you're looking at this picture with the right perspective, it's 1,300 feet tall. And so as you're climbing, there's like eight pitches. Um, and if you've rock climbed before, maybe you've done one pitch. Maybe you've done a bigger pitch than an eight-pitch climb. I don't know. How many of you have been rock climbing before? Sweet, lots of you. I mean, this is Colorado, so I, I assume you'd understand this analogy. Um, and so this idea of going up, and you get a couple pitches high, especially when you're traditional climbing and, and putting in your own gear. Um, on this particular climb, the only way down, like once you get up quite a ways, really the only practical way down is to go up, and then this particular climb off the back left there, you could almost hike down or kind of scramble down. Uh, we rappel down, just one rope's length down off the back, you can rappel down. Um, but, but you get up like four or five pitches, and it's a total of eight pitches high. And this idea of perseverance hits you like a ton of bricks because you realize that there's really no way back down. Like if you're going back down, (coughs) mainly because of the gear, it's hard to totally explain. But if you rock climb, you'd know a little bit about leaving gear behind, creating anchors and leaving gear in order to rappel on that gear. And then eventually after four you know, anchor stations, you would run out of gear and you couldn't make it all the way down. So it's one of these predicaments where you have to persevere as soon as you get up high enough. Um, you have to climb to the top. And anybody know, anybody that's been rock climbing knows that um, when you're rock climbing, you just need encouragement. And the rock climbing community is very encouraging. If, if someone gets scared and they're up high on a rock, what do you tell them? You're like, you got this, man. Don't look down. Um, you got this. Your, your next hold is up to your left. Reach up your left shoulder. You got that. Put your hand up there. It's a great hold. There you go. Move your feet up. The next hold is right above your right shoulder. There you go. It's good. Yeah, keep going. Keep looking up. Don't look down. Persevere. And I think as Coloradians, we just, we did, we, if we've ever been rock climbing or climbing, uh, hiking a mountain, you just know that you, you look up. You don't look down. You encourage each other. You persevere. Um, and, and this analogy we get, and Paul in this book of First and Second Timothy, gives us another analogy, which maybe we don't get as easy um, as far as physical examples of been there, done that. 
But Paul gives this example of fighting the good fight. Continue fighting. He says this phrase at least three times in the book of First and Second Timothy. And we think of this kind of gruesome example of fighting. And we think of, I think, the fighting that happens now, if we think about war, happens with guns and explosions and maybe faraway missiles and, and dropping bombs. And it kind of takes the personality out of it, it compared to at least an ancient way of fighting of like, imagine like swords and steel and looking your opponent in the eyes and being like three feet away from them as you try to kill them and they're trying to kill you with swords and like taking, you know, a stab and keep fighting. Mean, I'm sorry, it's the gruesomeness of this while you're eating. Um, but that's what that's the ancient way of fighting. 2,000 years ago when Paul wrote this to Timothy, this idea when Paul tells Timothy that he has fought the good fight, he has finished well, well then this theme of like, wow, yeah, the, the faith is a battle. Faith is looking your enemy in the eyes with a sword and he can kill you and you can kill him and you fight and even if you get stabbed, you keep fighting. Um, and to, this idea of persevering. And so Timothy, or excuse me, Paul to Timothy writes this, 1 Timothy 1.18. It says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. And so Paul, here two things. He's saying, Timothy, you're my son. And Timothy, fight the battle well. There's been prophecies made about you, but, you, but I give you these commands, and it's commands he writes about earlier on to, to stay strong, to persevere, to remain steadfast, to fight the battle well. Here's another example in, in Timothy. First uh, Timothy 6.12, towards the end of First Timothy, he says, fight the good fight of faith. So there, there, it is, there it is again. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And in this example, the one we already read, 2 Timothy 4, 7, this idea of I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And so the, the, the audacity, the, the pride, um, the holy pride, Paul gets to say that at the end of his life, I have fought the good fight. And that is what so many of us now in our 20s or uh, whatever age you are can, want to say at the end of our life, we fought the good fight. And, and Paul goes on with this, this verse to go on to say, this, there's an award if you fight the good fight and it's available for all those that continue to fight the good fight. And so with this theme, so as I was preparing this lesson this week, reading scriptures, reading first and second Timothy, thinking about the theme of perseverance, um, rock climbing, of course, just for the analogy to bring here. Just kidding. That was for fun. Um, um, I thought about this idea of, okay, if Paul's really telling Timothy to fight the good fight, is there this idea that Timothy could not fight or that Timothy could stop fighting, that Timothy could lose the battle. So Paul's saying, Timothy, fight the good fight. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. Um, and so is there this, this idea hanging over Paul's head or Timothy's head that maybe he could lose the battle or stop fighting the battle? And another way to word that is to ask the question, uh, can you lose your salvation? So if you're taking notes, this would be the next big point um, on, on what we're going to talk about. In fact, we're going to kind of continue the talk today and talk about can you lose your salvation, which brings us kind of into this theological argument, which I realize this is Mill Sunday School, and you're not afraid of theological arguments. Are you? No. Okay, good. Because um, sometimes people are af- maybe not afraid of them, or maybe they just roll their eyes and be like, oh, this is a hard question. Um, there's there's d- different sides of this debate, and it is kind of a 
debate. So I have a picture of a debate here. I'm going to put up different things and different sides of this debate. Um, but sometimes we can just like roll our eyes at the debate. Can you lose your salvation? And maybe some of you have had that debate before and thought about it. Anybody familiar with the debate had it before? Sweet, lots of you. Um, and it's, it's a debate that, that happens in churches. Um, and it's a debate that I think falls under the umbrella of Christianity and, and the whole church or in French, Le church. Anyways, um, so uh, basically there's two sides. One side that says, no, you can't lose your salvation. And another side, if you could read that up there, the small font says, yes, you can lose your salvation. And stepping back from the argument, we kind of have to first talk about two big words. And I hope to not bore you with these. These are big theological terms that we've brought up in here before that maybe you've heard before, but never had really defined for you. And it's the words Calvinism and Arminianism. Anybody know those terms? Have you heard them before? Oh, lots of hands. Sweet. I knew you would because you're Mill Sunday schoolers and you're nerds. And that's a very good thing. So continuing. Um, Calvinism says you cannot lose your salvation. Calvinism basically says that there's something uh, having a lot to do with predestination. And so stepping back from this argument of Calvinism, we would talk about that um, God has chosen us. God has predestined us. And I think those are true themes. We could look at in the Bible and say, yeah, God chose me. He predestined me before the foundations of the, of the world. And so that's true. And God is sovereign. And that is true. Um, and so Calvinism says because we're predestined for salvation, we're chosen for salvation, well, then we can't get rid of our salvation. It's not like God unchooses us because God is sovereign and God chooses. Then we can't lose our salvation. So that's the left side. And we're going to keep with this whole left and right side for this whole thing. So if you're taking notes, those are the sides we're going to kind of fall on. And the other side, Arminianism, says, oh, we have more free will. than, than So it recognizes responsibility in our own lives and our own decisions, that we have choice, that we have responsibility. And we see those ideas clearly in Scripture. Uh, both ideas, both sides, we see that God is sovereign that God chooses, and we also see that we have responsibility and that we get to choose and we get to carry out our lives. Um, And so these words, Calvinism and Arminianism, they come from like the 1500s where a dude named Johann or Johannes Calvin lived and he was French. um, And so he came up with ideas and a theology of the Reformation, uh, this Protestant Reformation where uh, there was just the Catholic Church and then the protestants to that reformed the catholic church which is where by the way we get our name protestants or reformed churches and if you've ever been to specifically a reformed church if the reformed was in the name of the church like first reformed baptist church of where at whatever city or reformed evangelical church or baptists are usually reformed in their theology presbyterians are usually reformed in their theology um Reformation theology or Reformed theology would fall on the side of Calvinism. I know that there's a lot of words I'm throwing out at you, but I think this will all make sense in a second. Um, so there's this whole stream of Christianity that's, that's more Calvinistic, more Reformed. It says that we're predestined, says that we are chosen by God. And then there's the other side, Arminianism, over here on the left. And Arminianist churches, non-Reformed churches, would be like uh, Assemblies of God churches, would be potentially evangelical free churches, would be a lot of uh, Methodist churches, would be uh, a lot of uh, charismatic churches or non-denominational churches, sometimes or usually fall under Arminianism. And that comes from J- Jacob, is it Jacobus? Arminianus, 
who lived also in the 1500s that would kind of reacted to Calvin saying, oh, there's free will and we're not all predestined. We do have a free choice, which to me reminds me of a lot of movies like The Matrix. Anybody? I mean, it came out a long time ago, Uh, like the red pill, the blue pill. Was Neo predestined to be the one or did he choose and then become the one? I mean, that's like the whole movie wrapped up in a, a sentence there. Or Forrest Gump. Anybody ever see Forrest Gump a long time ago? One of my maybe top 10 favorite movies of all time. But life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. You've got to make life what you choose, Forrest. So that's the mom. So mom would be an Arminianist. And then the other big character that influences Forrest over his life, uh, lots of them, but one of the other ones is Lieutenant Dan, who talks about destiny. I was destined to die in Vietnam, and you stole my destiny from me. And, and now he's paralyzed. But then he ends up thanking Forrest for doing that. And, and so is life like a box of chocolates? You never know what you're going to get. Or are you predestined? Lieutenant Dan versus Mama Gump. Calvinism versus Arminianism. I think it's a pretty cool theme to think about and to talk about in your own life. Are you predestined to do, you know, to to be um, whatever you want to be, a pilot or a fireman or whatever you want to be? Are you predestined to do that or do you choose to do that? Is it God guiding you, but you also choose? And so both and, what is it? I don't know. These are fun discussions and but very meaningful discussions when it comes to salvation. And we as Christians talking about, okay, are we predestined and chosen to be in the kingdom and and have our lives saved? Uh, Does God choose? Is he totally sovereign? Or does he give us responsibility and choice in the matter? And so these two sides, you know, zooming out, um, let's zoom in a little and talk about Calvinism would say on the issue of, of can you lose your salvation? They would say the sentence, once saved, always saved. Have you heard that before? It's kind of a phrase that, that you say, oh, once saved, always saved. Or you'll hear the term eternal security. That once you get saved, you are always saved. And then the other side, on the left, Arminianism, or excuse me, on the right, my right, your left. Anyways, uh, on the, your right, Arminianism would say, well, actually, we maybe can lose our salvation. And this debate or discussion rages in Christian churches. It may rage in here. I'm going to give you it as a discussion question in a minute. And we're going to talk about, we're not going to debate. We're not going to get mad. We're not going to wrestle mania each other in here. We're going to be nice and talk about it. Um, but I remember the first time I heard this debate. Maybe this is the first time you have heard the debate. It was It kind of blew my mind because I came from a tradition. I came from this church um, where I first heard the debate. Um, You probably don't recognize it because it's in Ogden, Utah, a great church. When I went there, it was called Washington Heights Baptist Church. Um, They changed the name to just Washington Heights Church um, and kind of went more non-denominational out of their uh, Baptist background, but it's cool. And they, it was an awesome church, still is, still is an awesome church. When I was going there, um, it was very influenced by the Baptists, the Reformed theology that would say, we are chosen and we cannot lose our salvation. We are eternally secure. And so I remember hearing that and hearing that and just not even questioning it. Just like, yeah, as soon as you're saved, you're saved. You can't lose your salvation. Uh, and, and so we'd hear verses like this, uh, John 10, 27 through 28 says, uh, my sheep, listen to my voice. Do you know this verse? Say it along if you know it. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one will snatch them 
out of my hand is the verse. And so it's like, yeah, if, if you're a, sh- a figurative sheep and Jesus is your figurative shepherd, then you are his and, and, and he is yours and he, no one will snatch you out of his hand. And then this verse, another awesome verse about eternal security, a beautiful verse. Romans eight thirty eight through 39. Uh, some of you know this. Say it along with me if you do. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So eternal security right here. Like you can't be snatched away. Nothing. I mean, it lists all these things. That sounds like pretty much everything to me. Life, death, angels, principalities, presence, the things to come, powers. And nothing can snatch you away from the love of God. And I remember hearing these verses knowing these verses as a little Baptist uh, in college um, and uh, knowing them, understanding the arguments that once you're saved, you're always saved. And I was leading uh, the, the college ministries small group. That's, it was a smaller church, so the small group was everybody. And if everybody showed up, it would be like 10 to 15 people. It was a great group of friends. And we would just read passages of Scripture, study them, talk about them together. And at some point, I think we were studying First and Second Timothy. We came across some verses that kind of seemed like you could lose your salvation. Like Paul was actually warning Timothy, hey, fight the good fight. And there was this implication that if you don't, well, then maybe you could fall away. And I remember seeing that and being like, well, what's this doing here? And I started researching it and started studying it. And I'm a big fan of highlighting and underlining. Anybody else? In, in your Bible, so my Bible is just highlighted and underlined um, all over the place. Notes in the margins, I'm a big fan of that. And so that's why I, I, my particular style of Bible isn't the electronic Bible. I like the paper Bible. Anybody with me on that? Kind of old-fashioned and weird? Okay, cool. Anyways, um, so I studied. I found every verse I could. Way back in the day, it was dial-up internet. I dialed up. And uh, or, I'm sure you could do the noise better than me. You get the point. And so I looked up, like, every, like once saved, always saved. I looked up eternal security. Can you lose your salvation? I found, all I was looking for is verses, lists of verses on both sides. And I found every verse I could, looked up every verse I could. For me, I had a purple every, like, I have different colors, and different colors mean different things. So at this time in my life, purple, I underlined things in a purple pen if it seemed like this verse was saying you could lose your salvation. And so I was scrambling through the Bible over the course of a month or two, underlining things, thinking about this debate and this discussion, and coming to the understanding that while my church, my Baptist church, Washington Heights Baptist Church, believed that you could not lose your salvation, it was perfectly acceptable under this umbrella of all Christianity that there was just another, another stream of thought that said, well, maybe you can lose your salvation. And then it became like, well, how do you lose your salvation? And how, how does that happen? What, you know, how does that work? Or it became just the, the topic of my study during this time. And there's five verses, I have my Bible somewhere up here, five verses that I found that are underlined in purple from way back in 1999 when I did this study. Um, the five verses in the books of First and Second Timothy that I thought kind of just exemplified this idea that, well, maybe Paul is warning Timothy because there's this chance that maybe, and I don't know, there's still a discussion of debate that we're going to talk about in here that, that, that lends itself towards, well, maybe you can lose your salvation. And so uh, the, here's the five verses very quickly. First Timothy 1.19, um, it's the end of a sentence, says, holding on to the faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have shipwrecked 
uh, so suffered shipwreck with regard to their faith. And so they've, they were on a ship, but then the ship wrecked. Is that losing your salvation? Maybe, maybe not. It's worth discussion. Um, but I underlined it in purple going back to that day. First uh, Timothy 4.1 says, The Spirit clearly says in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. So you'll abandon the faith. Does that mean lose your faith or does that mean lose your salvation? I don't know. Worth discussion. Uh, but I underlined it in purple. Here's another one. First Timothy 4.16 says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere. There's that word again. Kind of the theme of today. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So what if you don't watch your doctrine in your life? Would you not persevere? Would you not save yourself and others? I don't know. Worth discussion. First uh, Timothy six twenty through twenty one says, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. Turn away from godless chatter and opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge. And verse twenty one says, for some have professed and in doing so have departed from the faith. They're a similar phrasing, like they departed from it. So did they have it and then they they lost it, or did they never have it? It's worth discussion. And finally, this one just kind of a half verse. Second uh, Timothy two twelve just says simply, if we disown him, he will also disown us. And so is that. Was that disowning us like salvation is concerned? Uh, Maybe, maybe not. Very well worth discussion. Um, And so here's the debate. Um, There it is. Uh, Calvinism, Arminianism, once saved, or Calvinism, predestination, once saved, always saved, versus on the right, Arminianism, uh, free will, versus this idea of you can lose your salvation. So in a second here, I'm going to kind of throw the discussion back to you to to talk about, to discuss. I really hate the word debate because I think that, rises up like feelings and fights that don't need to be here under if we're all Christians in here and we're, we're talking about this, then, then I just like the term discussion better than debate. Um, so anyways, if we zoom out of this debate for just a second, and here it is, whoop, see that? Check that out. PowerPoint, you know? Anyways, uh, and then we put some lines down. There's some lines, um, if you could see all that. Um, so we're zooming out of the debate. I think, I think, Everything that's up there is kind of within the umbrella of Christianity that this discussion uh, can happen and some people could say, oh, maybe you can lose your salvation. Maybe some people say, oh, no way, you can't lose your salvation. We can discuss, we could bring up verses, we could have this uh, discussion. Um, I think outside the bounds of this debate might be two extremes. The extreme on the left would say something like, even if, uh, if someone got saved, Let's say they got saved when they were 13. They did a little altar call. They went forward. They said a little prayer. They um, um, got a Bible. They got it signed by the pastor. Um, they got baptized, whatever. They, they, they were saved as a 13-year-old. They made the decision. Um, but then later, but, but now rejects God, curses him, lives a life of sin. They are still saved. So that's a statement. So on the far left up there, is this statement that, oh, even if someone is rejecting God and saying they're an atheist, let's say that little 13-year-old grows up and they're now 50 years old, and every year between age 14 and 50, they've been rejecting God, they're a professing atheist, they make fun of Christians, they hate Christians, they throw eggs at church, whatever they can do, they just don't like Christians, they don't like God, they curse God. Would you say that 50-year-old is, is saved because when they were 13, they got a Bible and they said a prayer and they got baptized, I think, I think we'd all say, well, no, I, I think they were maybe never saved, 
or whatever. I think there's, there's this extreme that would say they're still saved. And I, I've never heard anyone say it like that, but um, that, that would be the extreme. Does everyone understand? Like, that's the extreme. Like, oh, you, you made a decision once, but, and so just by saying a prayer 50 years later, 50 years of cursing God, you're still saved. Well, no, I don't think so. Um, and then the other side, this right side, this Arminian side of exaggerated Arminian side would say, oh, you lose your salvation every time you sin. Every time you make a mistake, you, you just lost it. You just lost your salvation when you thought a lustful thought. Well, you just lost your salvation if you um, uh, cursed or you just lost your salvation if you, uh, I don't know, whatever sin you committed or thought about committing, you, you lose your salvation every time you sin. I think that would be an extreme on the right-hand side. Perfect example is like you lived this long life with the Lord. You were um, a Christian. You lived a great life. You read the Bible. You remained faithful. You fought the good fight. But then um, one Christmas, you're hanging lights up on your house on a ladder, and you slip off that ladder, and you fall to the ground and break your neck. But right before falling to the ground and break your neck, you say, oh, sugar, but you don't say sugar. You say the bad word. And so, so an extreme, extreme, extreme Arminian view would say, oh, you had a sin that was unconfessed because that's the last thing you did. You said, oh, sugar, but you didn't say, oh, sugar. You said the bad word. And then you died, and so you didn't have time to repent from saying, oh, sugar, but you didn't say, oh, sugar. You said the other one. Anyways, you would be in, you, you know, you wouldn't be fully saved. You'd have to uh, have eternal judgment because every time you sin, you lose your salvation. I think, no, that's silly. That's, we're not saved based upon works. Why would we lose it based upon works? And then the other side, this, the far left side, the Calvinist side, I think of the parable of Jesus where he throws out seeds and, and some lands on the, the, the rocks and birds come down and eat them. Some lands on bad soil, but it comes up quickly. And then it dies. I think, well, well, they never had roots. They never had fruit. They, they were probably never saved like the ones that, you know, grow and, and, and reproduce 20, 30, 100 times the fruit. Like that, their salvation, that's salvation. The other ones are just like, oh, that seems like salvation because it came out quickly, but, but it's not. And so this debate usually goes um, back to like, because I think we could all probably name someone. Maybe someone in your mind right now is popping up as to someone that was saved, and then it seems like they either lost their salvation, or we could talk about the term backslidden. We could talk about the term uh, lost their faith. We could talk about the term uh, they don't come to church anymore. Or we could talk about, oh, they've rejected the, the faith, or whatever. Um, the question then becomes, um, was that person really saved? Have you heard this debate before? It kind of always goes in a similar way. Like, oh, well, I know someone who was saved. They were a youth pastor or whatever. And then, and now they're not saved. They're a professing atheist. All they do is read Richard Dawkins' books and make fun of Christians. And so are they still saved? Well, no. And so then it comes back to this question, um, was, were they really saved or not? I think the, the left side, the Calvinist side would say, no, they were never saved. Whereas the Arminian, the right side would say, well, maybe they actually were saved and then they rejected their faith. And so here's the discussion question. Um, I would love for you to, to discuss this, to get on board. You can switch sides if you really felt so strongly, but so can you lose your salvation? Well, I'll give you like five minutes to talk about this. Um, if you're on the right side of the room, that's you guys over here. Um, 
say, just take the argument of the Armenian side and say, oh, we can lose our salvation. Maybe you could find a verse. Maybe you could find an argument. And if you're on the left side of the room, that's you guys over here. Come up with ideas, verses, discussion, um, an argument as to we cannot. Uh, wait, we can. Wait. My right and left. You can lose your salvation. Once saved, always saved, right? No. Right? Just look at the board. It's up there. Wait, what? The Arminian over here? Calvin over here? Okay, you got it. Don't let me confuse you. Just look at the board. My right and lefts are all mixed up. So discuss it. Get into new groups if you want. Invite people that are sitting at smaller tables. Ready, get set, go. All right, I got a mic. I would love in a discussion-loving way. I mean, I just assigned you the thing, so don't get all crazy on me or each other. Um, but maybe we'll go back and forth. So do you have a Calvinist side? One saved, always say. Okay, here you go. No, actually, it's... Andrew uh, Living, good, everybody. More of our Arminian. Arminian, but you're... Uh, all right. Is the oh, mic on? No, no, maybe, check. maybe. Check, 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 it's check, good? check. It's good? It's good. I could hear you. Are we good? Okay. Yeah, there we go. Um, I, I have more of a, because uh, like if you if you focus on whether it's just you, you're talking about just yourself. Yeah. Um, I, I think that it's it's good to, kind of take salvation a little bit more selfish, take salvation a little bit more uh, selfishly. Um, and this might sound weird, but uh, if if I was going to bet. Like, because we're using theology and everything, if I was going to bet on which one, uh-huh. I would always pick the one that covered my bases. Okay. So I lean more towards Arminium only because... But you're on this side. <laughs> oh, there he is. Okay. There we go. Uh, <laughs> Just kidding. There you go. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I lean more on the make sure, make sure that, you know, work out your faith in fear and trembling. Okay. Always, always, always have that uh, motivation and drive to... to Fight the good fight and, yeah. and work that out. It's good. It's um, great. Calvinist side. We have Armenian hands over here. Calv- okay, I'm going to run back here. I see Michelle's hand for uh, Calvinist side of the argument. There you go. All right. Well, for one thing, I don't like the word Calvinism. I don't believe in predestination. However, I do not believe that you can actually lose your faith. Um, I watched my dad walk away and. Uh, you know, I watched my mom ask him to move out, and I watched him wake up. But I don't believe he ever truly lost his salvation, just kind of walked away from it for a period of time. And, uh, so you, you can know, maybe walk away, but you, you, you can't you, you lose don't, it. Yeah, you don't lose it. You just kind of ignore Backslide it. Backslide or something. And, you know, and there are people who will, you know, pretty much turn against God. But, you know, God says that he can handle it. You know, if you're angry, yell at him. He yeah. can handle it. Get it out. And then go back to him. You know, yeah. he knows that he can handle it. So if you're so, questioning and doubting, you're not losing your salvation, but rather you're going through a time of testing in which you will come back to because you know the faith that is inside of you. Good. Well, look at all the Ar- Armenian hands. All right, let me find Josh over here. Me and Josh were talking earlier today in Sunday school, so hopefully he says what he says earlier because he was genius. <laughs> okay, um, this is just what I think. Uh, I think, uh, well, actually, Jesus said the only sin that won't be forgiven is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And that's just rejecting Jesus as your Savior. Uh, And in Hebrews it says, 
I will remember no more your sins and your iniquities. I don't think you can sin your salvation away. Uh, the only thing that you can do to lose your salvation is totally reject Jesus. God's not going to go against your free will. Uh, that'd kind of be like universalism that, you know, everybody's saved and I'm going to force it on you whether you believe it or not. If you accept Jesus and then you say, I reject you, I don't want you anymore, I don't want this salvation, God's not going to go against your free will. Uh, but you can't send your salvation away because if he remembers our sins and our iniquities no yeah. more, then he's not keeping record of your sin, so how could you send it away? Uh, but the analogy I gave to Joe earlier, it's like... Losing the keys. Lose, yeah, losing it's your genius. keys. You're not just, I mean, going to lose your keys. But Oh, no, you, where'd they go? I lost my keys <laughs> again, dang it. But if you take your keys and you throw them into the pond and totally walk away from it and, and say, curse your keys. I don't want it. <laughs> Well, you have a free will, and that's your choice. So God's not going to go against that. Yeah, yeah. And the other side, the Calvinist side, would probably say something like, well, if you could throw your keys into the pond and curse them, then, you, well, you probably were never saved to begin with. William, I see your hand, but we got, I'm going to wrap up. I, I see that hand too, John Wood. Um, but I just need to wrap up because we're, we're going to go late on time, which is a quick conclusion. Thank you so much. I should have gave us more time. That is my fault, not your fault. But I would love to continue the discussion more in here, not debate, but just end with this idea of uh, the picture we put up and joked about the tattoo earlier about holding fast. I just think this idea, this image of tattooing that on your hand, of your literal hands, holding fast to the faith that you had. And I think either way, I think there's some of you in here that, that are probably on the more Calvinist side, uh, or it seemed like there was more of you on the Arminian side, at least wanted to sh- share about it, at least. Um, that's okay. And I think you could look at these passages in First and Second Timothy and say, Paul is warning Timothy to persevere. And whether that really means you could lose your salvation or not, I, I think there's a seriousness in holding fast and persevering. And maybe we should, maybe in some ways, I'm kind of reversing what I've been talking about, but in some ways, maybe not even worry about whether you could lose your salvation or not and just hold on to the very dear importance that our salvation is meaningful and persevering is meaningful. We can lead people astray by our own non-perseverance. We could do damage, real damage to people and ourselves when we don't persevere. And so it's with that that we kind of close. Um, And so let me pray for us as, as we just consider these thoughts and say, Jesus, we do come before you as Mill Sunday schoolers, people that are just interested in theology and interested in finding answers to things. And God, we tell you that we are, um, we do want to per- persevere in you. We do want you to give us courage and knowledge and wisdom to persevere in our lives. God, give us steadfastness. Give us um, knowledge to, to continue to walking out our faith all the days of our life. So God, we love you. We do praise you. And everybody said, amen. Peace out. Thank you for listening to the Mill Sunday School podcast. You can find more information at www.themillonline.org.